bought. This was the people that lived there before. This was their forever home. Yeah. They bought it and then they put like 150,000 into it, upgrades and pools and I mean, much more than I would ever consider doing, even if I did have the money. Yeah. You know, so it, uh, Diana would like to say it's our forever home, but I'm like, I don't need this big of a home and, you know, yeah. and the tax rate and everything that comes along with it. You know? Well, we just start we'll thinking see. about like how, how much can you really downsize if you want your home to be the one that your kids can yes, come back and to? Yes, and that's K-Diana. That's what, you know? <laughs> that's what she said. She's like, you know, well, we want the, you know, our kids to bring the grandkids. Because it really is. It's not like, that, in the know, grand scheme of things, kids. it's not that long of a window. No, it's really Between not. when they leave and when they want to, and then they establish their own lives. Sure. Start a family, and then they want to bring them back. Yep. Yeah, my twenty-year-old now. And you want talking about marriage? And, and you like, want it. mine is too. My daughter. Young. Yeah, <laughs> my daughter is too. I was not thinking about. Um, she plans more than I do. Yeah, my daughter's yeah. a planner. Right. I, I can just. I mean, for business, I like to plan, but I like to just live kind of. Sure. Sure. When I'm not in business. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, she very much is not that way. Right. She likes to know exactly what's going on and what we're doing. Yeah. At all times. So I think we're probably ready, huh? Even oh, I'm sorry. I thought... <laughs> no, 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 no. I know the process. So I okay. Know, I know he's got to set up lighting and... <laughs> well, what will happen is, is I'll usually get you talking a little bit so that he can do mic checks, zoom in on us, make sure we're framed correctly. And then uh, once we get to a certain point, I'll just tell you, okay, we're good. Yeah, okay. So, uh, again, everything's edited, so you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to keep that if you don't want to. You can just read it. Throw it to the side, okay. pick yeah, it back the middle, up. That middle desk is not seen in the video. So this is not seen. So if you want to oh, read it and then put it here, yeah, you're good. Sure, sure. That's why we got the waters here because yeah, you can't see it. I can them. just look over. I can, I can actually see it better from here than I can up yeah. close. However you want <laughs> However you want to. So he's got four questions. And then when he's done, I've been thinking of some questions for him. Cool. So Ooh. usually the way it works is I've... I would like to think I've gotten better at being an interviewer. Right, right. So we want to give people, obviously, educational content, but then we want to give them something real too. Real, sure. Um, so I will. I've I've gotten pretty good at segueing into yeah. that conversation. Right. So I will let you uh, start, and you can just ask me whatever you want. Um, these have been rolling probably ten minutes, so. Okay. It's no different. We're just having a conversation. Yeah, he's just going to edit out. With yeah, and that's what he'll do. So um, I know that you want to talk about economic things. So sure, sure. In whatever order you want to start. Yeah. Just so, you know, I think one of the biggest things that's that's on um, people's minds is, is inflation. That's a big topic over the last several years. And uh, really over the last year and a half, the, the sudden increase of inflation and now it's seems to have drifted back down and, and tapered out a bit um what in your in your terms layman terms how would you define inflation yeah so it's a, it's super easy to define inflation is when you have too many dollars chasing too few goods mm -hmm. right people like to say supply and demand but it really is if there's a ton of money in the economy and there's not a lot of stuff right right you're gonna charge more for it Sure. Right. Sure. Uh, and what we didn't do, there's two things that didn't happen. One, in my opinion, uh, the Federal Reserve could have stepped in sooner mm -hmm. and kind of started fighting inflation 
uh, November of, let's say, 22? Right. No, November of 21. 21. Okay. Uh, at that point, they, the, the classic or famous comments were, it's transitory. Obviously, it wasn't transitory. We had way too much money in the economy. And I don't blame anyone for those policies because we haven't had a pandemic in 100 years. So nobody alive knew what levers to pull. Right, right. right? So I'm not going to blame them for putting too much money into the economy. But once you know that you've done that, you have to start fighting back. Sure. Right? And they could have started raising rates a little faster. Um, I will say that... I try to stay very in the middle politically, and this isn't a politically charged statement, but I believe the reason that they didn't start sooner is because 2022 was an election year. Mm -hmm. And it was a very important, no one wants to be in a recession in the middle of an election. And every side of the House uh, does politicize things, sure, right? Absolutely. So it just is what it is. Um, and then more recently, we had a really funky jobs report on February 3rd which didn't make any sense because we had a population adjustment. Right. So that's when they take the census uh, numbers and they say, well, if we really are at 4%, then there must be another half a million people working. Hmm. Historically, that's been, a, that's been associated to each calendar month, uh, but instead they put it all in the January jobs report, right. Right. which is not real. Um, but what it did was it gave us an incredibly high uh, jobs report on February 3rd, uh, gave us a historically low unemployment number, and the only thing I can think of is February 7th was State of the Union. Yeah, yeah. So things like that happen. Everything leads up to, yeah, to but, some of it. You know, sing, things like that happen, and they do have consequences, and the consequence is February 2nd, uh, interest rates were back into the high fives. Mm -hmm. And that really set us back uh, probably about four months. Right. Because then rates got almost to seven again. Right now we're starting to see them retreat again, um, but for inflation, you know we have to stop spending and start saving. That's why you see banks offering high rate CDs. Right, they're offering a higher rate of savings, um, and part of that is you know when they take in money, they can lend ten times the amount that you give them. Okay. Right, and right now if they're lending. Uh, they need to make loans at 6 and 7% mm -hmm. because they have all these 3% loans out there, but they're giving you 4 on your savings. Sure, sure. So they got to make new loans so on, right. new, on new deposits, right? So they're trying to aggressively entice saving so that they can make, make loans at a rate to where they're not losing uh, on the bonds and everything that they're paying out. So that's a delicate dance also, but as we, we can play our part in fighting inflation by refusing to pay. Sure, absolutely. For the things that you don't necessarily need. Like that new pair of Nikes that yeah. just came out. If right it was 100 <laughs> last year and it's the new Lamborghini. Whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, even more simple things like that, right? If going to the movies was 50 and now it's 100, don't go to the movies. Yeah, absolutely. But as long as we're willing to pay it, right. it's harder for inflation to come down. Yeah, and I think we don't, you know, we, we don't realize that as consumers, we see, we don't see those incremental increases mm -hmm. until finally someone brings up the conversation. You know, uh, you can see that in restaurants. Uh, went to a, a burger restaurant yesterday, and you know, got a got a burger, fries, and a and a drink, and it's twenty dollars, right? Um, 
And, you know, when I saw that, that price there, I, I reflected back, how much was I paying two years ago at this same, you know, burger restaurant? Sure. It was, you know, about $15. Still, you know, on the high end, but, you know, it's a gourmet burger. But all of a sudden, it's crept up those, those $5. And, you know, um, and you talk about the movies. Um, you know, what you're paying to go go see a movie for a family of four, you're getting popcorn, you're getting drinks and whatnot. Well, you know, you're minimum $100 walking out of there. And don't you movie. dare watch a 3D movie, yeah. right? And that's just to <laughs> go to movies. And, yeah. you know, it's it, what's crazy to me is um, all of these studios, they know that it's an absorbent number to go to the movies now. So now they're starting to do where you can early rent them at home. Right. Right, so mm -hmm. for twenty dollars or twenty-five dollars, mm -hmm. you can rent it through, you know, your Roku stick or your Amazon Fire or right. your Apple TV, uh, and you can watch it at home for twenty-five dollars. Sure, sure. And what I would say is, maybe do that. Yeah, try that. Hey, we know? did it this weekend. You know, funny enough, uh, <laughs> we watched Cocaine Bear. <laughs> uh, you know, not promote the movie or anything, yeah. but. We uh, we decided instead of going out to the movies that we were going to stay home, and it was twenty dollars. Mm -hmm. And you know, I reflected at that time, look how much money I saved. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so I, you know, hopefully, hopefully, industry is starting to curtail some of that opportunity um, because they don't want it to all stop at one point in time. They have to foresee their future budgets, what their Revenues are going to be over the next, you know, one, two, three, four, you know, years outwards. So uh, maybe that's an opportunity, you know, for for consumers to better evaluate. Um, so what do you think is the biggest misconception that that uh, the American people have of inflation? Um, probably that it's one hundred percent a particular administration or president or. Congress's fault. It's really not. Uh, you know, the Federal Reserve raising interest rates. People get mad at them. They only have that one vehicle. Sure. That is that's literally. The only knob they can that's turn, all right? they have. Yeah. Right. Uh, and if you go back and look at when the Reagan administration had to take over, regardless of what happened, they had to take over a high inflation period. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. And they used lots of things to bring it down. Sure. Right. So we're using one lever right now. Um, and that's going to make it a little more long and painful, mm -hmm. which it has been. This soft landing is painful yeah. because rates have been higher longer. Now, rates should not be 3%. Right. Okay? right. It's not sustainable. It's right. not sustainable. But unemployment shouldn't <clears throat> be 3 either. Correct. People don't understand that 3% unemployment is not, it sounds great, yeah. but it's not sustainable. Right. Right. Uh, people are hiring because they have profits, but they have profits because we're willing to spend the extra money, mm -hmm. sure, right? So sure. what comes on the other side of that, if you look at historically, every time the Fed raises rates and unemployment's at an all-time low, we have a recession. Recessions aren't bad, right? right? Um, it's just like it's a reset. It yeah. just has to happen because too many levers have gotten unbalanced. Most of the time in a recession, home values go up. Mm -hmm. So real estate's still a good investment, right? Right. There's opportunities to be had. We uh, also do like investment hard money type loans now. And what investors were average deal, they were paying 85, 87% two years ago. Now they're paying 72%. Mm -hmm. 
of the after repair value. Right. So they're getting better deals because there's better deals to be had. Yeah. And so I think that there's opportunity in all markets. I think high rate environments give you opportunity on the investment side. Um, I think when interest rates go up really high, there's opportunities in commercial also. Mm -hmm. Because if you started building your strip center at 4.25%, by the time you're done, now it's, you know, prime today is seven and a quarter. So, okay. Right? So right, if you got right. your loan at prime plus one, you're at eight and a quarter. Mm -hmm. You're double what you started at. So now your cap's probably off. Sure. You're not delivering the same profit. Your value, if it was six million, is now four. I don't know if your takeout loan even works. Mm. So you might have to have a developer come in and finish that project with you. Right. Right? And those are the things that are underlying that people don't see yet. But that's coming. Sure. It's, it has to. So I think that's when you're going to start to see the Fed pull the lever back. Okay. Everybody says, okay, they say they're almost done, but when are they going to pull it back? Yeah, when, what, what that's is, when what they is have done, to pull it right? back. When, when, is, when is done at what well, rate Well, they say it 2% inflation, but that's not realistic either. Right, right. Right? Pa Powell says, I want 2% inflation. Well, that's not realistic. Yeah. Realistic is high threes, low fours. Okay. We are five, or right under five right now. He still is probably going to go through with one more 25 to 50 basis point hike in April. But on the May 10th inflation report, mm -hmm. we're going to get under five. We will be under five. Right. We know that because May of 2022 was super high. Okay. Year over year was like 0.8 higher. Right. 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 We're expected to be 0.1. Hmm. Right. So if you take 0.7 off of where we are now, we're mid mid to low mid to low fours. Now everybody knows that because um, the shelter costs have not been updated either. And that's going to hit on that May report. Okay. We already know where they're trending, but that data is a lot further behind than like core products. Right. 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 Uh, so, you know, we get gas, we get uh, oil and uh, gasoline quickly, mm -hmm. right? But shelter lags. Um, so you are seeing rent start to normalize and even decrease in certain areas. So when that starts to hit as a potential negative downside, to inflation on the, um, specifically on shelter, you could really see a very attractive May CPI report. I really believe we will. It's been on the calendar for me since November. Okay. I knew November 10th was gonna be a big one. It right, was. Right. May 10th is gonna be another big one. So, you know, we're making this video on April 17th. We're three weeks away from probably seeing rates in the fives for the rest of the year. Okay. That's great news, right? That's great yeah. news to the consumers. So, you know, we've seen over the last, um, you know, year, year and a half, um, adjustable rates, you know, three, two, one buy downs. Mm -hmm. uh, some, you know, uh, uh, lenders are offering a fixed rate. Mm -hmm. Do you foresee that being something that, that Security National, that y'all will be uh, offering, knowing that that rate is going to adjust? I only really like the temporary buy down unless a permanent buy down gets you to five and a half or lower. Okay. Yeah. Because I believe that at five and a half, even when the rates retreat, it might be difficult for that to financially make sense to refinance. Because right. I think they're going to settle in the low to mid fives. Sure, sure. Um, now, if you go to a 15 year, you're probably looking at mid fours to high, fi high fours, right? Once they retreat. Um, but on the temporary buy down, I'm a huge fan of that because you get the immediate savings 
and if you refinance, the money's not lost. Okay. Okay. Because it's basically a subsidy. Right. So if the difference in payments over the first two years is 8500 that 8500 just gets in a pool mm -hmm. and you pull from it every month, right? right? So right. when you refinance, if there's still four grand over there, that four grand goes as a principal reduction. Okay. If you do a permanent buy down mm -hmm. and pay points, right? Pay discount points, which is one discount point is 1% of the loan amount, mm -hmm. right? right? Fixed cost. You're putting it up front. I'm paying this interest up front for a lower payment. Well, if your break-even period is more than 36 months, you're likely to lose. Mm -hmm. You're just going to lose. Because sure, sure. in the next 36 months, you're likely to refinance, and then you did not win right, on that right. economic decision. Because there's no, you know, there's no crystal ball, right? There isn't a crystal ball. But do you foresee rates even getting down into the fours uh, at some point I in think time? fours will be reachable for the ones that want to pay for it. Okay. I do. Sure. And I, and I don't think it's a bad idea to pay to get in the force mm -hmm. because you're going to be there, yeah. right? Yeah. You're going to be there for a while. Yeah. It's not like there's not going to be another 3 and 2% boom anytime soon. Right, right. Uh, we do not need it to be that way. We know that it's not healthy for the overall economy. And uh, to be honest, it put everybody in a position where when they go to f when they went to four and a half and five everybody mm -hmm. stopped moving even though that's still very good rates. still good rate right <laughs> so it kind of put us in a bad headspace with how to handle interest rates now rates go to five nine nine and everybody wants to buy a house yeah right yeah uh it was only two short years ago that people would hang up on you if it was three and a quarter sure because we saw that in december and january when those um people just you know i know October and November, it was crickets in the market for us. Then all of a sudden, when December hit, it was like people came out of the woodworks and started buying, buying homes. Yeah, so November 10th was the first really good inflation report. And the weeks before that was the highest rates had been in a long time, yeah. since probably 08. It was like 7.3 on a Fannie Mae, right? right? So they started to retreat. Then we got a good December report. We got a good January report. And even going into February, right, they were coming down. Mm -hmm. Activity picks up. Activity sure. picks up. So right now we had this little spike. February 6th, we had a little spike because um, of the employment record. And now we're starting to come down. But we're coming down like this. Mm -hmm. And that's how it's going to be. We're going to have these peaks and valleys. And for people that are buying a home, you know, you have a 30-day window. So whatever the best day is in that 30-day window, that's what you get. Right. That's what you lock. Uh, and if next week after you close it goes lower, that's just part of it. Sure. You just got to, the, the opportunity right now is in the price. Okay. There's opportunity in the price. There's not a ton of upward price pressure in our generalized market. Uh, we have inventory that's coming on, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, I, and I don't think we're adding buyers at the same rate that we're adding homes right. at the moment. Sure. Yeah, because inventory rates had, had been low the first, you know, through the first quarter. Mm -hmm. uh, a big part of that, it, you know, I'm heavily involved with new construction yep. in, in the area uh, and having those conversations. And a lot of these builders have pulled back from building so many spec homes because they sat on so many of those homes at the end of, you know, 2022. Um, so there's a lot more dirt builds uh, taking place. So, you know, you have consumers that are going in and wanting to buy a home. 
and the exact one that they want, they're going to have to wait six months before they move yeah. in. So I think there's some apprehension there because of what we were talking about with inflation um, and also seeing what the interest rate continues to, uh, how that continues to evolve. Um, so people are, are making decisions based on the economics more so than they are of the, the home that they are searching for. They'll mm -hmm. settle for something different to lock in those rates today uh, for fear that those homes may be, you know, interest rate may go up or if they wait until a home is actually built, one of the few inventory homes that they are building, if they wait for those to be built, what are they going to be paying? What's the price of that mm -hmm. home? You know, four you can't or five months the price. Now. Can't control it at all. Yeah, and the other thing is in 2022, <laughs> builders were stuck holding homes where they paid a lumber price that was astronomical to build. Mm -hmm. Right? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, we saw that in the beginning of the year. Well, even March 2022, it was like 1,600. Right. For a thousand foot yard. Yeah. Now it's like four. So, you know, 400% higher lumber cost, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. You're just sitting on gold, basically, sure, waiting for sure. someone to buy and close. Right. So I understand the apprehension, but we, in this area, the Houston area, has is underbuilt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've just been underbuilt for a long time. We're not sure. keeping up with population, to be honest, especially being a transient community. Mm -hmm. We're just not, we're not building enough for the attractiveness of our market. Right. Period. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I still think there's room for upward momentum on new construction. Mm -hmm. I think some of them will go there. Uh, I know that our general area, Gallison County, Harris County, Brazoria, there is a good number of permits being issued mm -hmm. for single family. Right. Um, now in Harris <laughs> County, believe it or not, this is trailing data, but almost 60% of new starts were multifamily. Well, yeah, they, we've seen that over the years in, in Houston with, uh, you know, especially the Edo area, you know, development of townhomes. Townhomes are making a huge comeback. I know there's, you know, off of 96 there in uh, Kima, uh, large development there of townhomes, patio homes, as well as condos. Mm -hmm. uh, so it seems like there's a, there's a big um, transition back to that. That was kind of a thing in the past where, well, if you lived in a town home, it's because you couldn't afford a single family home. Yeah. Well, that mindset has been changing drastically thanks to the market in Houston. Mm -hmm. um, you can, you can, I think busier people don't want the maintenance. That's in young professionals. And that's the big part they of don't Houston. Want the uh, they don't, they don't want the maintenance of a yard and they don't, they don't want to travel, you know, 45 minutes. I want to be work close every to morning. everything. But I don't want to have to do any of the upkeep. Sure. Let me enjoy my, my time off, my weekends. Correct. So Yeah, we were uh, talking about um, yard work, you know. This weekend was beautiful. Yeah. Everybody was doing yard work instead of going to open houses. Right. Like you gotta do it when you can. And part of being a homeowner and a regular single family residence is upkeep. Sure. And sure. if you don't have upkeep and you don't stay on top of those things, then your value decreases. Mm -hmm. So it's just part of the responsibility of home ownership, and I think that is why uh, townhomes, condos, et cetera, have gotten more popular. Mm -hmm. I know they're getting popular with builders because, not just builders, but the, the city likes them because you can densely populate an area. Sure, sure. Right? Yeah. Uh, to accommodate for population. Yeah. At that time, the tax dollars may not be coming from um, you know property taxes, but... Um, 
it's for goods and services. You bring more population in, they're spending more money in the area, um, and well, funneling money that. Well, maybe, money. but think about a 12,000 square foot lot in Edo right now that has one house on it. Right. That's not a huge lot. No, it's That's not, not a small but, lot, quarter right. acre lot. They're going to put three townhomes on that. Mm-hmm. So right now you have one property assessed at 400 on a quarter True. acre. Yes. Now you're going to have three properties all assessed at 400, mm-hmm. yeah. all paying tax. Yeah. So it it's really, if it's your style of living, there's a benefit to you. Sure, sure. Yeah. But there's a big benefit to the city too. Yeah, absolutely. Before we were talking, you were saying like with inflation and with the current market, you know, what do I think the best investment classes are? Mm-hmm. I think stocks are tough. I think we got to rethink if right now in this economy, that's really the way you retire. I don't know. Uh, I think there's been a huge shift to private equity, a lot riskier, um, but it's been a lot higher payoff over the last two years. But I still think real estate's always a good one. It needs to be a part of it. Like, can right. it be a part of your portfolio? And you had mentioned commercial investments. Yeah. What, what, why, why do you say commercial? What's, uh, you know, and, and when people think about commercial, they're thinking millions of dollars. Yeah. for commercial when it's truly not that my wife sells commercial yeah. for our, our side of the business um and you know there's commercial properties they're you know five hundred thousand you know several under sure. under a million um that individuals are actually buying that property to lease out right a good majority of businesses they lease these properties and mm-hmm. you know they're five and ten year leases long-term leases so that's a great source of revenue for somebody that that wants to invest in a commercial property whether it's a standalone or if it's a strip center um and and you know look at their their long-term return of on their investment you can even it can even be short term right if you build in a desirable area and you have three tenants and everybody signs 10-year leases the value of that property is much higher than you probably built it for sure absolutely and there's a ton of people that just want to buy properties like that because they know what their return is correct I got nine years of leases on this you know and I've got history of people paying on it this is a return I know I can give my investors so we'll buy this property Mm -hmm. it's gonna be at a much higher rate than what you built it right right you know Uh, so I think that that's something that you know, maybe the average person doesn't understand and they're just trying to build, they're just trying to buy their first rent house. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, oh, if I want to invest in real estate, what do I do? Right. I don't even know. Um, you know, there are programs and things out there. I would say this, nobody wants, and this is, this is an unpopular opinion, Chris, but I'll just tell you, I'll say this to anybody and I'll sit here and debate it with them. If you've got a three and a half percent interest rate and 200,000 in equity, mm-hmm and you're not winning in the yeah. stock market, which you probably aren't. Right. What's that dead money doing? Yeah, yeah. If that was my position, I would, and, and I wanted to own real estate as an investment, I would do a cash out refi. I don't care if I'm paying six and a half percent because if I take 50 grand, there's a good chance that if I go find the deals, I can buy three properties, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Using alternative sure. financing. I could buy three different properties, bring them to closing, cash flow 300 each, which is going to pay way more than my difference in payment on my primary. Sure. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And now my net worth has gone up four times. Yeah. And it's funny you say that because I just had that conversation with a good friend of mine. He 
uh, had bought a new home, uh, has not sold his previous home just yet. He's, he's financially able to do that. Um, but the amount of equity, he, we've talked about uh, what it would be to sell the house, lease the house. Um, but he has enough equity in that home to where he could do a cash out refi and go buy two or three additional homes. And, and we've kind of been looking at those numbers to see what that, uh, what that looks like for mm -hmm. him. Um, but you know, people, where, where do they go to? Who do they talk to about it, right? Do they go to the internet? They listen to the news, the latest podcasts? There's a lot of avenues out there. What would be your best recommendation for individuals that are looking to get into that investment rental market? Uh, uh, it doesn't matter what you're looking to do. It doesn't matter if you're looking to start cooking or if you want to invest in real estate. Uh, with the internet, find the people that are really freaking good at it. Yeah. And then find a way to get time with them. Sure, sure. Yeah. Because likely um, they're willing to give back and talk about what they're passionate about. Mm -hmm. And you can at least learn how to find a deal. Right, right. And I can tell you uh, with me and my wife getting into real estate, uh, that's something that we that we did is we um, not only sought after agents that we knew locally that were successful, but also uh, folks that are out there with their YouTube channels and promoting, trying to help people, uh, you know, be successful in something that they're passionate about. Which real estate is something I've been passionate about for a very long time. Um, but I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. But find that individual that is uh, successful and willing to share um, because they, they're there, they, they want to share their knowledge. There's enough to go around in the real estate market. Yes, there's you know 20 plus thousand agents in Houston, but there's far many more homes sure. um, you know, in the area. So. And what I will say is there are enough people doing it at a high level that are not stingy with the information. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. they know that part of, you know, being blessed is giving back, right? Sure. Whether that's your time, money, energy, effort, doesn't matter. So showing someone, I could get on here and say exactly what my process is to close loans. And it doesn't matter because you're not going to do not it really. anyway. Right. You won't. Sure. Because it's not your process. Yeah. But you might take one thing and say, oh, I like that. Right. And then right. apply it to your process and get some sort of pickup. Yeah, yeah. Right. And it's funny, I've, I've become friends with one of the top producing agents in the area, and she's even though she's not with our brokerage, I, I reach out to successful agents, right, and try to learn from them. So uh, just, you know, become friends with her, and she's got a new, or not a new, but she's got a vehicle she had wrapped and everything. And so I was like, hey, you know, I want to go ride shotgun with you one day and see how, uh, you know, successful agents do sure. it. So sure enough, she's like, hey, let me know. You can come take a ride with me one day, and I'll kind of you know show you how I do things. So, uh, you know, great great advice to to seek those those people out. Yeah, because they're uh, there and they're good people with good hearts that are where you were. They, I mean, they've been where you are. Sure. They've walked your walk. And uh, man, if you can make like five less mistakes because yeah. someone can tell you what they did wrong, sure. you know, why wouldn't you want to learn that? Yeah, best way to learn is to teach. And, and no matter how many years. Uh, these successful agents have been in the business or how much they know or think they know, um, someone's always going to hit them with a question that they haven't come across before. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, my previous uh, job with, you know, with Marathon, I was there, you know, 21 years. 
uh, I was always ears open to listen to what my, my operators were telling me or questions they were asking um, because, you know, I didn't know everything. I wanted to learn from them. And sometimes we had, you know, uh, folks out there that they're like, oh, I've been doing this for 30 years. My response always was, yeah, but you may have been doing it wrong for 30 years. So let's listen to a new way or a, a, a different uh, vision of what this could be or what yeah. we should do. Um, so other than real estate and loans, for exactly 10 months, I worked at a refinery. Exactly 10 months. <laughs> And, and that uh, was enough, right? <laughs> well, I think what happened was I just realized why I do what I do. Right? Sure, sure. Um, you know, starting out, got to draw the facility, like draw it out, right? Yeah. Uh, go look at the, the drawings and then learn it, trace it yourself, and then draw it on paper. Just yep. so you know what's happening where. Right. And uh, just to mirror what you said, I did have a guy that's like, you know, boy, I've been here 25 years. And that's just not how we do it. And I was like, well, when's the last time you actually turned that valve? Right, right. Yeah. Or even put your eyes on it. Sure. He's like, I don't know. I was like, then you're not telling me anything. Yeah. You're not helping yeah. me. No, that's awesome. I'm glad yeah. you got to experience that. Because that's yeah. why I started off as an operator and worked my way up. And, um, you know, I, I, a friend of mine, Phil Kelly, uh, told me early on, and, and it's been repeated a million times over, is good Lord gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. Yeah. Stop using the mouth so much and start listening more. And because I was always real quick to, you know, throw my opinion out sure. there uh, just because I was eager to learn. And, you know, uh, but I shortly realized, you know what, it's better to listen to what people have to say that know their business, right? Mm -hmm. uh, listen to what they have to say, then formulate a, a educated question to ask not so much my opinion, but, you know, come up with a question to ask that may relate to my opinion. And uh, when I started doing that, things really, really changed for me back then. And sure. I so I apply that today. Yeah. Um, so I, um, anyone that works with me, I tell them never accept that's how we do it mm -hmm. as an answer, ever. Ask questions. Um, don't be afraid to challenge when you think it's right. Uh, respectfully, don't be ugly. Right. But if you know something isn't correct and you're being told, well, that's how we do it, don't accept that ever. Sure. sure. Ever. Um, going back to being an operator, they were going to make, um, what we made where I worked was ethylene oxide, which mm -hmm. is not great. Um, you know, big time carcinogen, you know, great solvent right but you can't you really shouldn't work with it with sure. your hands um so we had to use a nitrogen based pad because mm -hmm. you couldn't introduce oxygen um because you know it's highly flammable right. so it's a hydrocarbon so you know fire triangle is temperature oxygen and what's the last one yeah. right so you only need two of the three sure. with hydrocarbons you know oxygen's a big one so we use nitrogen pad for everything. Mm -hmm, like so we had um, the nitrogen came over from the other side at I want to say 120. We had steam too, right? Because we couldn't use just oxygen for anything. Mm -hmm. um, but the nitrogen came over at 90, and then we had a pressure control valve that took it to 60. Right. And then there was this one valve where it just kind of was just buttoned up, mm -hmm. right? And that valve 
has been closed forever. Um, it has a little pressure reader right above it, and it has um, an end on it that's been painted 1,500 times. Right, right. right? And so they were going to make a modification to take that 60-pound nitrogen and run it up to the pressure control valves because they kept getting gunked up with the ethylene oxide. And uh, so the engineer comes over and they're, you know, we have to walk through everything. And they're like, well, we're just going to tie in right here because we need 60 pounds exactly, and this is 60 pounds. And I was like, this is not 60 pounds. <laughs> and he was like, well, it says it should be 60 pounds. Yeah. I was like, I understand that, but this has never read 60 pounds ever. Right. So somewhere right. in here, you're losing something. There's a fitting, and it doesn't go anywhere, so nobody cares. Mm -hmm. But after that valve, when you get to the end of this line, you're 48 max. And they're like, well, that can't be right. I'm like, I know in the book it can't be right. right. That's not what it says on the P&I. I know, I know <laughs> that in the book it can't be right, but all you got to do is just get somebody. That you're not using this line. It's not in service, so nobody cares. But just you know, put the snoop on it and find where it is and then fix it, and right. then it'll be 60. And they were like, but it's 60. I'm like, but it's not. <laughs> you know, things yeah, in practice are yeah. different. And, and the, the thing I learned from that experience is, you know, what the book tells you and what, the pra what is in practice is different. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's that way in real estate. Sometimes sure. it's always that way in mortgage, yeah. right? I can read the book on how to do loans all day, but no one's going to walk in with that profile. Nope. No one's ever walked in with the same profile twice. I've done loans for people four or five times, and not one time was their application the same. Right. And just in my short time uh, being in real estate, um, every, every client that I've worked with, whether it's buying, listing, leasing, uh, investing, um, every single one has been different. There's, there's not a, uh, a template uh, per se, that they can just input information and it makes it seamless. It's always something different. And, um, you know, and that's one thing we always talked about uh, with, you know, with engineers that I, that I worked with, you know, uh, some people read things in black and white, but we operate in the gray. Sure. Because that valve you talked about, yeah, that valve is there, but it's frozen. So mm -hmm. now you've got to go downstream of the vessel and, and isolate there and clean back. So, um, but that's where it comes down to really listening and working with individuals and understanding that, yes, this is what the manual says, or this is what the lending requirements may, you know, lay out for you. However, what's the gray area? You know, what, sure. what, what's your, you know, your credit score versus your, um, you know, your, your DTI and your income. There's so much that comes into play because people get on, you know, credit karma and they're like, oh, I've got a, you know, an 890. Well, mm -hmm. that's not even possible. But they they look at you know those outside sources that do not see the details of their you know their credit. So, um, you know, so what it boils down to is is working with someone like Security National to really understand what what their profile looks like and what it will take to get them the loan they need to get in the house that they're that they desire to get into. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, and same thing with real estate agents. Everybody has a story, right? Um, so do you want to listen to the news? Do you want to listen to, you know, your brother-in-law? Um, or do you want to come and, and have a discussion with an agent um, to help better understand what your home is valued at, uh, what home or area you may be willing to, to live in? And 
uh, just really, you know, get to the source, get to the people that, that you know, are uh, educated on it and will help give you good direction. And Because uh, I have, for so many times over and over, people that I've talked to, they always have, like I said, another friend or family member that has told them, you know, it's this is the way it is, and only to correct them and, uh, you know, get them on the right path to, to home ownership, right? I agree. It's not a one-size-fits-all for anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll get applications, you know, anywhere from 10 to 30 a week on just my team. Sometimes we get a couple hundred right. in the group. None of them are going to be the same. None of them. There's so many data points that we're looking at between income, credit, assets, job history, employment history, residency history. There are so many things that we're looking at. Mm-hmm. No two profiles will ever be the same. Right. And for sure their stories won't be. <clears throat> yeah. And why this why this is happening won't be. Sure, sure. How did how did I get here? Yeah. You know, I, I worked with a gentleman uh, that's seventy three years old, buying his first house ever. He had had a house before that his, his parents left him, but he had never gone through the process of getting a loan, having an inspection, you know, the appraisals, you know, everything that comes along with that. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, at first, I, I didn't really understand why, you know, at that age, why why don't you know or understand these? And uh, became very good friends with the gentleman. And, uh, you know, everybody has a different situation, and a lot of people are fearful of filling out that application because the skeletons are going to come yeah. out of the closet. I don't want to hear no. You don't want to hear no, right? Um, but, you know, just knowing that that's the first step of, of seeking, you know, pre-approval. And, okay, so you have to work on your credit over the six, next three to six months, whatever that may take mm-hmm. at, at, you know, lender's direction. But hey, you know what? In six months, would you rather be owning a home or do you want to continue giving your money to a landlord paying lease? Now, some people, because of income levels and whatnot, that's that's their current option, right? Um, but what if? What if you could own a home in six months or a year from now and save up, you know, the down payment, you know, your closing costs and stuff? Uh, so I know it's scary, but you know, just take take that step. You know, us as agents, we don't see all your financials. Uh, that's for the lender. You know, it hands over to the lender. All we get is the pre-approval letter and say, you know, go go shopping, mm-hmm. right? Um, but that's that's one thing I've found in the market that I've been pretty you know heavily concentrated on. It's first-time buyers, um, or it's individuals that have had some credit history to them. Um, so. You know, it's just being able to work with them and, and help them navigate the waters. And, uh, again, the first step is to, to get with a lender and, hey, let's 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 start there. Because we don't want to get our hopes up looking yeah. at a $380,000 house when you can only get approved for $330,000, mm-hmm. you know. Um, or the vice versa to that is you get approved for three eighty, but you have no concept of what a payment is for three eighty. Sure. You want sure. to spend twenty five hundred. There's some. Okay. Some well, we're not in the right neighborhood. Loan estimate shock there. Yeah. Right? We don't. We're not. <laughs> we're not talking the same numbers at all. Right. Um, and then you know, I don't know how well you feel like your conversion rate is when someone says, "Oh, well, you know, I just don't want to hear a no, or I don't want to be rejected, or I, I just don't think it's a good time." But 
you know, the, the quick way for me, I, I try to keep communication short, mm-hmm. but like very easy to understand. Right. Like we're, you just tell them, what if I could guarantee you that instead of a no, it will be a how? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Uh, conversion rate, I'd, I'd say probably 75%. One second. Hi. Hello. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> Did you bring me chips? Did you eat the popcorn? She gave her a whole bag of. Oh, awesome! <laughs> Did you get more popcorn, or just chips? Chips. Are you gonna give me one chip? You're supposed to give me one chip because we're friends. <laughs> oh, better hurry! You don't have to give me one. I would love one. I'll save it for later. I'll put, see? It, in my, put see it in how, my pocket. See how nice you are? Everybody gets one. Oh, I just one. Just do, hey. you, do you want one? Do we, do we split that one? Is this for both of us? No. No? I'll put it right here just in case. Eat it now. Eat it now. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. How did it, how did it, you said it went great. My nephews went and saw the movie Friday. They said it was really good. It was so good. Mario? Oh, was it really? Oh, I've only heard good. Oh, Jack Black see. was awesome he as Bowser. It was all casted really good, but he, um, his part was really, really good. And then the accent thing, I was like, oh, no. But um, the way the storyline They made him from New York. They, explained it well. yeah. they made him from Brooklyn or whatever. Yeah. So then oh, that was fine. <laughs> Nice. That's good. Check it out. Very huh. good. I played a lot of it when I was young. <laughs> yeah, well, Jackson. Did you like the movie? Did you like the movie? Yes. Good. Yeah, then we saw Disney on Ice. Oh. So that was oh Frozen and Encanto. My right? daughters love Disney on Ice. We went to so many of those. Those are two really good ones. They still. Yeah. Frozen and Encanto. Yeah. yeah. The, the shows were really good too. That's great. Tanya took uh, one of her grandbabies. Yeah, she, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Well, if you expect the video, let's go. Okay. Bye, friend. Bye, Penelope. I'll see you next time, okay? <laughs> okay. Bye. Good to see you. Yeah, she had a client appreciation event on Saturday. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah I was, uh, who was I talking to the other day? It was putting a gift together for their event. Uh, gosh, I don't even remember. I saw them in the office. Gotcha. I think there was a warranty company that did one. Yeah. I don't know what we were that, talking about. Uh, it's a title. Uh, American title, maybe. Okay. Was there. But anyway. Um, I think we were just talking about having a mentality of it's not going to be a no, it'll be a how. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that without processes. You can want to operate that way. But if you don't have good processes, you can't because sure. the pipeline gets too big and you can't properly follow up or keep yeah, tabs on people. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've always, we do a good amount of jumbo, high balance VA, super well-qualified conventional, but we came from helping people that have been told no right. get into homes. So that's still a large part of what we do, huge part of what we do. 
Um, we use all of the state housing programs. We actually created our own down payment assistance program okay. just for us that we launched a week ago. So we are constantly keeping the first time home buyer in mind. Um, I think it's short. I think it's short term thinking to not focus on first time home buyers. Right. Uh, one, they're going to appreciate things a lot more than the person buying their third or fourth home. Sure. sure. Um, but two, like we talked about, I, I'm on my third home. Maybe go to fourth. They're going to buy three or four more homes. Mm -hmm. Right. You know. Um, if you do a great job and take care of them and, and, and really take uh, interest in them or their family or their situation, then, you know, you're going to be their partner for life. And, um, you know, when you said earlier some people are worried about you seeing their finances, on my side, I think it's hilarious because, you know, I have friends that are like, I only want you to look at it because yeah. I know you and trust you. And then I have friends that are like, I would never want you to look right, at it right. <laughs> because you'll know everything, right? Yeah. And I try to tell them like, I don't remember anyone. I, I've never, someone calls me back, I never remember what their income or their assets were. Right, right. I only remember like what their circumstance was, what their goal was, you know, they were moving here to be closer to family or they were upsizing because they had a new baby. That's what I remember. Mm -hmm. um, you just can't remember all the other sure, stuff sure. because all the other stuff does get jumbled. Yeah. There's a hundred different people with a hundred different jobs and a hundred different pay rates, but there's only one person that's moving because they're having twins. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no, you're right. Or there's only you're one right. person that's moving to be closer to their mom or aunt or whatever. And that's the stuff we remember. Yeah. And that's what is the payoff. Yeah. Right? And in the end, it's the other stuff is just the vehicle. Sure. Sure. Yeah. In the end, it's, uh, it's, it's that relationship, you know, the average homeowner, you know, moves every seven to 10 years on average. And, um, you know, and, it, and it's what's happening in between. Um, just the, like, again, short period of time that I've been doing this, um, the relationships that I've built. I, I'm still even, uh, all the folks that I've closed on, I still reach out to them every, oh, yeah. every few weeks because want to make sure that hey you're happy in your new home I'm more than just the person that helped you get into the home I, you know I've developed those relationships and that connection um, because it, it comes from contribution uh, it started with contribution and ended with contribution and um, because if they you know they're in that home six months from now and they have a problem with the hot water heater and you know whether it's a new build or it's a resale home you know who who do I want them to call and ask, hey, who's your best plumber? Mm -hmm. Well, me. I don't, I don't want them calling the neighbor or anybody else and, um, because I want to continue to be a resource for them until, you know, the next time comes. That's not the intent, mm -hmm. but, you know, just building that relationship on the forefront um, hopefully is built uh, to be, you know, over long, you know, longevity, right, of that relationship. So, coming from a place of value has always been our value proposition, right? We're going to add value to you. We'll, we'll get in the trenches and work with you. We'll show you what we've done right. that has been successful. We'll, you know, any tracking things that you want, we've made them. You know, any organizational things that you can think of, if you don't have them, we've made them. So, we can work with, you know, big companies like the one you work for. 
or even a small boutique brokerage where there's four people right. and maybe they don't have the best technology. We've already built all that stuff. Sure, sure. So Why recreate a, the wheel, We become right? a very <laughs> strong partner uh, for them because they don't have to go buy or figure all that stuff out, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, so just always coming from a place of value. We try to give knowledge and education as much as we can. Mm -hmm. uh, and we think that the right people that we want to work with will be attracted to that. Right. You know what I mean? Sure. And try to do it in a way to where people can understand. Yeah. Not just go up there and sound smart. Right. Again, you know? that's what drew me into. Hey, let's 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 talk about inflation. Just because you were on our our PC daily and uh, just the way you explained it, just it's like you know it's mm -hmm. it's really simple. Yeah. And they need someone you know with your background, your expertise. You know, yes, you could use all the big terms and and whatnot. But uh, just being able to say that, you know, there's so much money on the market and mm -hmm. only so many goods out there. Um, yeah, the magic comes from being able to bring the message from the print to the conversation. Sure, sure. In a way that is easily digestible for a consumer yeah. or a partner. Sure. Because if you can't do that, it's really hard to get people to trust you. Yeah, it's If people don't battle. understand what you're saying, it's hard to... It's hard to get trust, mm -hmm. you know? They're saying a lot of big things about a situation that is scary to me or unknown, and if they can't communicate in a way that I understand, how do I trust them? Yeah. How am I gonna trust them when it's time to communicate about my rate, or mm -hmm. my cost, or my appraisal, or my negotiations, sure. if we can't even have the initial conversation in a way that I feel comfortable or understand? So, you know, sometimes, it really is just, you know, I think people get caught up in terminology or throwing around word buzzwords or yeah. catchphrases and really what you just need to do is be you. Sure, sure. You know, because anything other than your full authentic self is fake and people are not attracted to that. They can mm -hmm. sniff it out. You can only fake being a certain way for a certain amount of time. Yeah, and I have that conversation with, with uh, folks that I meet. Um, you know, I, I tell them, you know, look, I'm, I'm not a salesman. I don't consider myself a salesman. I am a talker, though, and mm -hmm. I will talk all day long, you know. Um, but as long as that conversation is, is value-added, I'm not there to blow smoke or, or anything. Um, and I've, I've had folks that, you know, whenever I was covering a couple of the model homes for, for new construction and even, you know, individuals that would come in, start asking questions and you know we're an hour you know into the conversation they're like you know what i learned more in 15 minutes than i've known all my life about real estate and mm -hmm. of course i'm like really you know that's that's you know that's definitely a a uh a great uh, uh comment to receive from people um but i think because it does come from contribution and value um, to help those individuals truly understand what you're getting yourself into. We go back to what you're approved for, right? I had a, a couple, uh, they got approved for 315000 mm -hmm. It, you know, it was 40000 over the price of the house that they were buying. Um, but then they got the loan estimate mm -hmm. and what that looks like, it was a VA loan. So it was an all in, you know, 100% financing. Uh, they saw that, that monthly note and it just, you know, it was shell shocked, right? Um, so I, I experienced that first off, first uh, couple that I met with and, uh, and working through y'all on, on that, uh, that loan. Um, 
So now I, I make it a point, you know, look, you, you need to get with a good lender, get pre-approved, but then ask for a loan estimate. Because yeah. what that pre-approval is and what that loan estimate is at that price may not line up with your personal finances and ability. Um, the ability's there, yeah. but you don't want to be You can do broke. it, but you don't want to do it. Yeah. And the other thing is, is we live in such a like instant gratification society. Sure. That sure. if I see a house and I like a house and you tell me I can buy the house, then everything must be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Right. Just better hope that car you, lasts you another well, well, that's 10 what years. I'm saying, but like, <laughs> it must be fine because yeah. you're telling me that on paper, yes, I can buy the house. But you never, ever would have considered that the payment might be 3000 a month. Right, right. Right? Sure. You just said, I want it. I told you yes. You're good. Well, there's a no, whole other step in there, yeah, right? Because yeah. the two most important things, two most important things in a mortgage transaction are, how much am I bringing to closing? What do I pay every month? Mm-hmm. Everything else is really secondary to that. Yeah. Right? Um, they want to know financially, what is that front? What do I pay every month? Because you don't write your check in interest rate. You write your check right. in dollars and cents. Sure. Right. So those are the two things that matter. When you write a check at closing, you don't write it in, you know, shutters mm-hmm. or whatever. You yeah. write it yeah. in dollars and cents. Right. So those are the things that matter to people. And sometimes you got to bring it down to the most stripped down possible version of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And it's like, look, I know this seems overwhelming. Here's the two things that super matter. Okay. This is what you need to bring to closing. And this is what you're going to pay every month. Are those two things good? Because if yeah. they are, we can talk through everything else. Sure. You know, but let's not freak out on line one when line one, yeah. in the grand scheme of things, doesn't move the needle. Right. You know, mm-hmm. you got lots of other things that go into that. Um, so being a second career guy, I can tell you're a hard worker because obviously you moved through the ranks and moved up and put in your time and had a good career and, and retired from marathon. How competitive are you? Are you a competitive person? Um, I am like secretly the most competitive person. It, and I, and maybe, maybe it's secretly. I'm not one that pounds my chest when I win. Um, I am a leader. And with leadership comes competitiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, but I lead from a, in a sense that I want to uh, help others. Uh, I never, even in... You know, so 10 years I worked for Walmart. I was in management for Walmart. Then I went to Marathon, worked there 21 years. And in both levels, you know, I started pushing carts two days out of high school and then worked myself up into management yeah. after a year. Um, same thing with Marathon. I started off as an operator and worked my way up to, to uh, area foreman uh, over a portion of the refinery. But one thing I always knew is to never tell somebody to do something. Always ask them. Even though I know they're going to do it sure. because I'm their boss, I've always asked people, um, to, to do something. Um, but I've also gotten input along the way when I know it's, it's not just the one-on-one, you know, Hey, can you go, you know, take a look at this or move something or whatever. Anytime it was more than just one individual, then it was always a conversation. Hey, this is what I was thinking about doing. You know, what do y'all think? Because again, um, I've got a, may have my black and white glasses on looking at something, sure. But these guys in the field or, or you know, out in the store or whatever um, may see something that I, that I didn't catch. So um, 
so yes, in, in that sense, um, working with, with other folks, uh, I've tried to, to help lead. Um, and the competitive side, um, yeah, it's, that, that's a hard one. I don't, I've never viewed myself as being competitive for, in a sense that I want to be the winner. Mm. It just has come naturally by my leadership skills that we've become winners. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I do want to win. If I'm doing it, I want to win. Not by any cost. I want to do it the right way, and I want people to win with me. Right. But if we're going to show up every day and be a group of people that provide mortgages to a market, why in the world wouldn't we want to be the best one? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Sure. Anything other than that doesn't make sense to my brain. Yeah, yeah. You always got your eye on the prize, right? Yeah. You well, know. it's not even about it's not about money. It's not about market share. It's yeah. about if you asked ten people, who do you think the best option is? Doesn't matter where you are in your career to send your, you know, clients for mortgages. I want eight of them to say us. Yeah. Or at least mention us in the three people that they say. Right. I want that. And if we're not doing that, what are we doing wrong? Yeah. Or what can we do differently? Right? Sure. Because what is the point of doing something if you're not trying to be the best mm-hmm. at it? Yeah. For me, that's, that's where and I And maybe get, I silently do that's that. That's where I get competitive, right? right? Yeah. I'm not, it's not anything else other than if, if, if I don't think we're performing at the top level of everyone in our area that's right. doing the same thing right. as us, then we have to get better. Sure, sure. And I'm pretty critical of us, so I pretty much never think we're doing it. Yeah. Well, that's, there's always room for improvement, yeah. right? But there are times when, Absolutely. like, you might see me less, or I'm not as at, a many, at, at as many functions, or I might not be as visible, and it's in those times that what comes next is pretty special. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm not out there, you can bet your butt that I am doing, working on, planning, or doing something that is making me not be there. Right, right. And when that thing is done, I'll be out there yeah, with yeah. that new thing, and it's gonna be, it's gonna be good. Sure. It's sure. gonna be something of value. It's gonna be something that's gonna help our community, and it's gonna help, uh, you know, realtors put more people in homes. Right. So there are times when. You know, I'm less visible for three to six months, and those projects have been probably the biggest game changers we've had because they're a collaboration of everybody that's here. Mm -hmm. You know, we're getting in rooms and throwing around ideas and creating concepts, and we're very good at executing. And I think a lot of people are good at thinking about things. They're not really good at bringing them to light. Sure, sure. And this group... Uh, that I'm lucky enough to work with is very good at executing. They will go from idea to concept to execution very quickly because now they expect it. Yeah, yeah. Like if we say, hey, we should all do this, what do you think? And everybody's like, yes, it's not an idea anymore. Yeah, yeah. Now it's something that we have to do. Sure. And there's a process to everything, right? And I like the way you say that because... Um, you can have these great ideas, but if you do not have a, a process in place that you hit the lottery tomorrow and you're like, hey, I'm out, guys, good luck. If it's not something that someone else can step in and continue to help the team navigate through the process, it, it's, um, 
you know, it's not sustainable, right, when the leader is, is, has moved on. But I think when people within your team understand that, look, this, this is the process to obtain those goals, it becomes natural for them, right? And when things are natural and not so scripted black and white that this is the process we have to go through because of X, Y, Z, it's more of relational uh, to, to step your clients through, sure. through the whole process. Yeah, I, you know, for me, going back to leadership and some of the things that you just said, I really feel like you can take my entire job and just say that it's these two things, right? Mm-hmm. My, I really only have two jobs. My first job is to get every single person here to where they could leave tomorrow if they wanted to and be successful anywhere at yeah. whatever their job is that they do here. Right. They could do it tomorrow and they would be performing at a high level mm-hmm. no matter what company they went to, they would be one of the most attractive hires, uh, period. Right. That is job number one. Job number two is to make sure they never want to do that. Yeah, yeah. Because it's what you're investing on the front end with them, right? Well, just create an environment yeah. where people feel heard and they feel loved and they feel welcomed and they feel like they truly are a part of something and they feel like you know when it's 5 p.m. on a Friday and they don't want to do that last task Mm -hmm. they understand what completing it means to the person that's getting the home or the money that will invest in the community because of it or the person that might get a grant from our 501c3 Mm -hmm. because I picked up the phone and did the task right Right. Right. Yeah. And when they understand that and they and they feel, you know, what they are a part of and believe in it, um, then they don't want to leave. Yeah. And I don't want them to leave. Sure. Not sure. just because I invested time and money in them, but because I love them and I care about them and I know everything about their families. Yeah. And I build deep relationships with the people that work here. And, you know, every once in a while when someone does leave, I hope it's for something incredibly better. Yeah, hopefully they're, they're taking, it's a stepping stone. 100%. Them, right? I hope it's for an opportunity that I couldn't otherwise give them, and I'm very happy for them, yeah. you know? And it's, you know, that's a discussion that we've been having. Uh, you know, me and my wife are part of Who's Who Realty Group, right? That's, that's our team. She does commercial, I do residential. But we've been having a lot of conversations um, between ourselves, and then we, we met with uh, um, you know, the director of our office the other day and have that discussion about um, building a team because that's one thing that I can't wait to, you know, wait for. Mm-hmm. Even though I haven't even gotten my full year in yet, I know what it's like to build a team. I've, I've always worked on teams and I've always been a leader of, of those teams. Um, and it's not about money. It's not about building a team for me to make more money. I, I greed never comes out of my mouth. Um, but I see the opportunity to help other people succeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we all come in as individual agents. We're all contractors, right? Um, and we've got some really good teams within our office. Um, but I see the the opportunity to bring in some of these other agents that they are good doing what they do, but they can't do it all. And I, I see that if if I could bring them in and we can share all of our uh, expertises, whether it's past jobs or certain areas that we're concentrating on. So, like I concentrate heavily on new construction. What can I offer to these other team members? 
another team member may have a, a long background in apartment locating, relocating uh, service. What can she or he offer to the team? Uh, so that's one thing that we, I, I hope by the end of this year that we'll, we'll expand our team uh, and just to help others be more successful, you know, agents. Um, you know, the dropout rate for, for real estate agents is like 87%. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't want to see that. People that I started with June of last year, you know, eight out of the 10 won't be here a year from now. Um, so I look at it, what can I do to ensure that, that at least nine of the 10 are still here? What can I contribute? And so that's going to be a journey of ours um, to make that happen by the end of the year. Uh, you know, we may be doing things in reverse order, but I do a lot of things in, that are not of the norm when it comes to uh, uh, being a real estate agent. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's... But when you're doing that. second career, you get to bring a lot of your real world, real world knowledge to the table. Oh, right? absolutely. And, it's, and it, and it kind of helps you form <clears throat> what do you want your journey to be. Mm -hmm. Sure, know? sure. You've already had a career. You had two. Had two. You had two careers. Yeah. So now being on your third career, I mean, it's not like you don't know what you want. Right. I mean, it's not like you don't know how to do it. It's just learning how to do it in real estate. Mm -hmm. That's you know? exactly what it is. Uh, I didn't retire to never work again. I retired to go into real estate. Yeah. Uh, I've wanted to take this journey since March of 2008. I know the exact date because I took a position with Marathon that would allow me to mm -hmm. go into real estate. To get estate. to this point, yeah. Um, because of the schedule that I was going to have at that time, I worked four on four off. So I was like, I'm going to have four days to work on real estate. Well, within like two months of that, I got promoted to another position that was straight days mm -hmm. and on call 24 seven. So I was like, well, I guess I'll have to kind of put that, that dream, you know, to the wayside for now. And, uh, so yeah, a lot of that experience and I owe a lot, you know, like I said, working for Walmart, being in management for Walmart, um, you know, having 250 employees and then thousands of customers coming in and being able to navigate the waters and be that buffer, um, you know, because you, you've got complaints, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then, you you know, from, from, you know, customers, then you have complaints from your, your employees. And sometimes those complaints are against one another. Oh, sure, yeah. So here comes, you know, Chris Hood in to be the buffer and get punched from both sides. But, uh, a lot of lessons learned, you know, in my 10 years there at Walmart, uh, and then the last, like I said, 21 years at Marathon and working with different teams and groups and uh, people, you know, whether their degree is in safety, civil engineering, chemical engineering, environmental, I had to work with people of varying backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, you know, my first degree is real estate license from Champion School of Real Estate. That's my first, you know, completion of, uh, got a certificate, right? Um, and, but just, just, you know, having that, uh, that background and knowledge, um, this is what I will do to my dying day. I have no doubts. Nobody could, could tell me otherwise. Um, but I want to do it with a group and, and, you know, being with Keller Williams, Clear Lake, that brokerage, I mean, it's, it's a very, um, family oriented, you know, brokerage that I'm with. And I told you know, Kevin Jones at the time, uh, I interviewed with him, I think three times we came in and talked because I told him, I said, look, I had 10 years at Walmart, 21 at Marathon. 
I'm not going to go to another brokerage. I will pick the brokerage, the one that I see that I will stay with until the time comes that I say, okay, not working another day in my life. But, you know, right now it's not work. I work a lot more than I ever did with Marathon, but it's not the same, you know. I stay up till 11, 12 o'clock, till I'm so tired I got to go to bed, but I'll stay up doing stuff, working on real estate. And a lot of irons in the fire right now. I so. think it's a lot different. You, you have more gas in the tank when you are building something for yourself, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. You always want to do a good job and take pride in your work, no matter who you work for. Sure, sure. But when you are working for you, um, there's more gas in the tank. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how to explain it. I don't either. There's I more. just I just turned 51, and I was like, you know, okay, I'm on the downhill to 100, right? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's, uh, I, I keep going. It's, you know, it's seven days a week. I said I take Thursdays off, but that, I think it happened one time. But I don't mind. It's, it's, it's okay. I'm enjoying it. Uh, still have my family time. Um, get to work with, with people, you know, like-minded people. And uh, get to help, you know, get to help the public. Um, mm -hmm. So it's been, been great so far, absolutely. Once you build your team, which I'm completely confident that you will, and you get rolling and you're growing your business and you've built something yourself, um, not for the greedy reasons, you know, what do you want that business to mean? What is, what is the end goal? Like I build this whole thing, you know, I've got great team, uh, you know, we're really just focused on you know, our process and creating a great experience for consumers. What do you, I mean, is there a, is there a bigger reason? Is there a bigger <laughs> why behind all that? What, yeah, what is the reason? It's, it's funny you say that and you kind of give me goosebumps when you say that because, um, you know, I, uh, uh, you know, want to leave a legacy. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest with you. I want to leave a legacy for my family. Um, and owning a business, I think, is that's that's the first step. And when I say leave a legacy, um, you know, we came up with our team name, Who's Hoot. Mm -hmm. And I keep telling people I'm going to continue to market and promote that until people stop asking the question to the point that they know who, who's Hoot, right? Mm -hmm. um, and for my, my daughters, you know, i got a 16-year-old, 20-year-old. Um, do they want to go in real estate? In the future, maybe, maybe not. Um, hopefully they do. But it, it's funny, and it's not for the prestige of it, um, but it's, you know, that day that I'm no longer here, my daughters can say, yeah, but this is what my, my mom and my dad built. This mm -hmm. is the business. And whether it's still here after we're dead and gone and they, like, you know, do away with it, sell it off wherever we're at when that time comes. Um, just just knowing that our name is out there for for good reasons, that people look to us to to help them, you know, in their buying, selling, leasing, investing needs, whatever that may be, mm -hmm. um, you know, is, is, is kind of the, that's the why. It's, uh, you know, you, you want to make your, as much as you want to make your parents proud, I think you want to make your kids even more proud of you. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the why for me. Okay. I did not know our kids are almost the same age. Mm -hmm. My oldest is 20. 
Right, right. And my youngest is 15. 15. Yeah. Yeah. So I've grown a boy. I'm quite uh, a bit older than you, so. Not that much. <laughs> <clears throat> but for me, I do understand the legacy thing because I talk about my kids a lot on the videos. And, you know, I would like to think, maybe not to my face, but in private, to yeah. their friends, they would say, you know, my dad's a very hard worker. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, he has built something that um, is something to you know be proud of be proud of right and even if they want nothing to do with that business i hope it makes them want to build something for themselves sure, sure. to be proud of whether it be a career at a company or their own company i just hope that the value is instilled in them that it is worth it the hard work is worth it the sacrifices can be worth it you can have a life and a career at the same time. Right, right. It doesn't have to be a choice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that their generation is uh, really struggling with those questions. Mm -hmm. You know, I can travel or work. You can do both. Right, right. I can have a family or work. No, you can do both. And it's worth it. Yeah. You know, every single moment of it is worth it. Every struggle is worth it. Um, because when you get when you get to where the, the work pays off mm -hmm. there's no better thing right yeah. and I hope that they understand that I hope that they can take lessons in that I think they're both in that age range where I can't expect them to appreciate it right this second right right um, because they're just inherently looking for what's better for them yeah uh, <laughs> but I'm hoping that they will turn a corner both of them at some time and it will have a lasting impression on them because I know that they're paying attention. Right, right. And whether they will admit it or not, or whether they will um, say it right now, maybe they're incapable um, mentally, but I, I just hope that they get to the point to where I know it. Yeah. They don't ever have to tell me. I just right. want to see it. If I can see that it made a lasting impression on them, then it's great. Right, That's right. What, that was the whole deal. And I'll say, you know, recently um, where it really kind of, um, I think my daughters noticed that, hey, the time and effort that we're putting into things, um, you know, I got I got the Eagle Award mm -hmm. for Keller Williams. And I, of course, I was homesick with COVID. They had to Zoom me in and everything. But just I didn't really realize at the time. And, and you know, uh, I knew it was a thing in the office, but... Um, but I received that award and very appreciative of it just to know it's, it comes from uh, the folks in the office, my peers, right, that, that voted me to receive that award. Um, for my daughters to recognize that accomplishment in you know, a short period of time, uh, I think they, they finally realized, you know, hey, dad's doing good things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when, you know, uh, one of my daughters, you know, said you know I'm kind of I'm proud of you for for what you you know your uh, your awards you got dad you know you're killing it out there and I used to hate the word killing it you know it's just until like your everybody's kids, killing it until, you until your kids it, right? use it as a compliment yeah absolutely and then I'm like yeah we're killing it yeah. you know uh, which is great but uh, yeah in the end it's uh, you know it, it's it's, uh, it's selfless in the end I, I'm doing this for others and the most important is, is my family you know I've 
spent a lot of years working for the man, making yeah. the money that I needed to make, and I finally had the opportunity to, to you know, retire and go into something that I absolutely love, and uh, we're, we're going to do great things, for sure. What I would, the, the one last thing I would like to say while we're talking is, and I'm passionate about this, is real estate, I know it in and out, but real estate, if someone thinks, I can't have anything but this job, or I can't have anything but this circumstance, or I can't have anything but this life, it's not true. Sure. Like real estate is the one vehicle that I think anyone who is willing to put in the work, learn, and you know, create processes and be consistent. Mm -hmm. Consistency is the key. If they're willing to do that, all they have to do is sacrifice, you know, save a little bit of money, create a window to where they can do it safely without, you know, putting their entire family at risk, right. and do and do this and really have a better life. And I just don't. I just think that we're blessed to be able to work in that kind of industry because I know there's a lot of people that think that they can't have any more than they have right now. Right. That's absolutely not true. And I hope that, you know, maybe one person sees the conversation that we're having and says, uh, maybe I should think about that. Yeah. Because it's there, and there's an abundance of it, and the people that are uh, very consistent is a very low percentage. Mm -hmm. Very low percentage. Uh, I think I saw a statistic that if you're willing to practice at your craft 18 minutes a day, mm -hmm. at the end of one year, just 18 minutes a day, at the end of one year, you'll be in the top 3% of all performers at whatever that is. Doesn't matter if it's playing piano or making phone calls. Right, right. Right? So if you're bad at phone calls, make yeah, them for 18 minutes practice. a day. <laughs> sure. Make them for 18 minutes yeah, a day. It's hard making those cold calls. Like, I've, <laughs> I'm in my 21st year in the industry, and when someone says, hey, man, what is the surefire way to make sure you're uh, successful? I'm like, make the calls. Yeah, absolutely. You got to make the freaking calls. Yeah. The money is in the phone. You know, the prospects are in the phone. I, you know, I can't imagine trying to set up a business and just expect that it will come in. The people are just going to come without, to you, right? Without right. doing any... Without <laughs> They're going to see my sign. They're going to see my truck. Yeah, without doing any... Yeah, I mean, that's tertiary effects of being successful for long periods of time. That's branding. That's having people see yeah. your name. That's not sure. anything else. Correct, yeah. And the money is in the consistency. Mm -hmm. And anyone that wants a better life can have it. Yeah. I believe that. One uh, of our bold laws is uh, success is simple, not easy. And there's, there's so much truth to it because things are, you know, processes are laid out for us, technology is laid out for us, training is laid out for us with my brokerage. If I just follow those steps, then, then I can be successful. It's a lot of work, right? Um, but it's simple, it's, it's not easy. So putting in the time and effort um, is a, is a you know, uh, inconsistency. It's like a lot said, of work, but like you said, or like I said earlier, if you're gonna show up and choose something to be what you do, why wouldn't you wanna do it the best you can? Yeah, absolutely. And if, it's, and if you can't get to that point, you need to run as fast as you can to whatever that job is. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter doesn't matter what it is. If you can't have that feeling to where you're like, every day when I get up and do this, I want to do it to the best of my ability, quit doing that thing. Yeah, right, right. 
Find, find you, that one thing you're passionate about. If you there. can't find, even in your current job, if you can't <clears throat> find that path that gets you excited, that makes you want to be exceptional at your your specific job, do something else. Yeah. yeah. Save up some money, work some overtime, do whatever it takes, and then do something else. Sure. Because life is short, right? Yes. Why? What the heck? Why? Why? You know, go punch that clock day in and day out doing something you don't absolutely love. And, or if it um, doesn't have a path for you, <clears throat> right? Right. Even if you don't love your job, if there's a path there that can get you excited and make you want to do whatever it is that your job is sure. better or to the best of your ability, great. Stay there and do that. Yeah. yeah. But if there's not that, if mentally there's not that there for you, go get go do something else. Because. Mm-hmm. All you're doing is working to literal death. Yep. Yeah. And that is Absolutely. like that is the most unfortunate <laughs> acceptance that you can give yourself. Yeah. Because you can be happy, you deserve to be happy. We're not born to be sad. Right. We're born to be happy and enjoy life. And it's such a gift just to get here statistically that, you know, sitting around and just having a pity party is just the worst thing you could do with it. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying it because I've gotten to where I am or you've gotten to where you are. I'm saying it because I've seen it. Yeah. And I've seen the difference in a person that comes in and wants to be the best that they can be at something and someone that is doing something that they're not meant to do. You just, you're never going to have the consistency with something that you hate. Sure, sure. You're just not. Just you so, do, doing and, what you do to get you to that next paycheck. But you can be average in talent, but have a lot of heart, like what you're doing, and be consistent yeah. and be a top performer. Sure, absolutely. Because it doesn't matter how talented absolutely. you are. If you hate what you're doing, you're not going to be consistent. You're not going to put in the work. Right. You're not going to like what you're doing. You're very, you know, almost never will that person become a top performer. Mm-hmm. When in something else, they could be great. And we need people in all facets of life. Absolutely. And that's one thing I tell my daughters, you know, hey, go to college, get a degree in the field that you want to be in, that you are just excited and you love studying what your, you know, whatever your curriculum is. Uh, my oldest, since third grade, she's known that she wants to be a special needs teacher. Uh, she's never wavered from that. Um, and I've told her, you know, Get your education, get your master's degree. I will pay it all the way through, but make sure that's something that you can see yourself doing 20, 30 years from now mm-hmm. and still smiling, loving it. If not, let's figure out what that is. But let's figure it out now. Don't don't jump ahead in life and go get a job, get married and have kids, and now you, you find yourself stuck, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, do it now while while you know mom and dad are still here and available to to hold your hand through the process. And uh, you know, my youngest, she's, you know, she's from teaching to uh, going in the medical field of some form or fashion. I was like, that's, you know, whatever makes you happy, sweetie. Let's, yeah. let's do what makes you happy. And uh, the rest of life, it, it will still be there. But let's get, get you to the happiness phase so that when you do meet that special someone and you're ready to, you know, start life together, you're already happy going in you're not figuring things out you're happy and you you will be 10 20 years from now because when all the other you know uh, facets facets of life come in that's that's where the 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 pain and worry and everything can start affecting you 
but that 40 hours a week, as long as you're happy doing that, it, it just helps you, you know, along the way. If you can show up every day and like what you're doing and want to be really good at it, mm -hmm. I don't care if you're punching a clock or running a business or being a CEO <clears throat> yeah. or being the garbage man. It doesn't matter. Sure. It does not matter. As long as you're doing something that you want to put in the maximum effort because you want to take pride in it, great. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. But if you have zero passion for what you're doing, you have choices. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And staying is a choice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so sure I tell is. people all the That's time, awesome. you still have time. Yeah. It doesn't matter. So Chris Hoot, I'm guessing full time was about a year ago? Yeah, June 1st. Okay, so at 50, starting career three from scratch. Right. And I would still say to anyone, that sounds great. Absolutely. Plenty of time. Sure, sure. As long as you love it. Yeah. You're enjoying yourself, you got gas in the tank, uh, you, you, you can run the marathon, and you're ready to be consistent. Who cares? Right. doesn't matter. Right. Some people are like, well, I've put 15 years here. Are you miserable? Leave. Yeah. <laughs> sure, you want to put 15 sure. more miserable? Yeah. Like, you're not going to make it to 75 Yeah. Right. if you spend another 15 years in a miserable job. Yeah. Misery takes years off your life. hundred percent. But happiness will continue to... At least it'll be the happiest years of my life, right? They should be. Hopefully. Yeah. They will be. They should be. No doubt. You did everything you <laughs> needed to do to get to this point, to and here. now you get to live it. Right. So yeah. I've been watching from the sidelines. I've been impressed. I'm glad that you took the time to talk with me today. I hope that in here we've got some nuggets yeah, that absolutely. somebody will get something out of. But I always talk more about not those questions. Right than the questions. The questions get us started because it's going to be good videos. Sure. But the rest of it is what I want to know you too. Yeah, yeah. You know, more than Stir inflation. The, the conversation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I already know inflation. Absolutely, yeah. 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 No, awesome. Well, I appreciate the yeah. time and uh, uh, appreciate, you know, what you and your group are doing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know y'all had the change from... Uh, you already forgot you the know, name, from, didn't you? I know. See? I already forgot it. I was going to... Because uh, it's us. Gosh, dog, it's not a brand. See, now you put me on the spot now. Well, it's not a brand. It's, it's us. Uh, yeah, so that's away. the reason. But moving over, you know, y'all made it seamless. It was just, you know, just flipping of the name tag on the door. Uh, y'all still have the same folks in place to, to help service um, the clients that, that uh, we bring to you or the ones that, you know, make the right choice and come to you first and then, you know, seek the agent but uh no i appreciate the conversation and absolutely look forward to doing it again yes sir so